Sarah, I started a Substack last spring, just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers, here for a More Than Mom Sunday with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. How you doing? I'm good. So new listeners, More Than Mom episodes every other Sunday are our chance to talk about something totally not motherhood and parenting related. And today we're going really off the grid. Megan, we're going to talk about your camping adventures. And I have so many questions. I am not experienced in this. Was that an intentional pun? We're going off the grid. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're trekking. We're <laughs> okay. going on an adventure. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I love it. Keep them coming. Um, yeah, and this is something that, you know, I actually didn't camp a whole lot growing up, but it was part of my, you know, occasional growing up experience. And then I really, really wanted to be like a super outdoorsy camping family when my kids were little. And I would say we made some attempts. Um, but after Will, Will was the one who would bolt uh, away from the campsite in the pitch black. And we had to keep him in his car seat the entire time yeah. because otherwise he would just run away. And then it stopped being fun. And so then we didn't really start going again until my kids were a lot older. And then I have more recently started embracing going on my own, um, doing more rustic camping, some backpacking camping, things like that. So, and now, you know, my boyfriend and I now have this property in the upper peninsula of Michigan and we're just camping on it, which means it's rustic. We don't have any utilities set up. So it's like rustic camping on our, in our own park. Um, which is kind of cool. So now I've got like a whole different experience going with that. So having a lot of fun. Well, I am going to have a lot of questions and I'm laughing when you were talking about Will because Will is your third child. I stopped yep. at three children, but we all know what I got for my third child. And we attempted camping with kids exactly once when Violet was two and a half. So the other kids were like uh, five and seven. So the other two kids were a great age and Violet was two and a half and she ran around the tent with us in the night like, like she had never slept out of a crib because she was still in yeah. a crib at home. And um, it, we pulled out iPads in the middle of the night. Like we, we it was a total fail. Um, but I like you, I grew up camping as a kid occasionally enough that I have some memories. And then actually in high school, camping was a pretty big part of like teenage culture around here. So kids would go camping in groups or someone might have a camping sleepover birthday party. So I I also camped quite a bit and then just totally dropped off living in a big city and traveling and living in Arizona. We never got into it there. And I really had aspirations of being a camping family, exactly like you said. And now my kids are, you know, eight, 11 and 13. And I don't know. I don't think, honestly, they super want to become a camping family. But I also don't <laughs> want to just say that we've missed our I don't think we've missed our chance. But I'm what I'm going to be looking for today is like 
what's just the, what's the right type of camping for us? And like, what might I be able to look forward to? So when you're talking about things like rustic camping, I don't like, I don't even know the difference. So we're going to get into some definitions. You've like made some cool purchases. So we're going to talk about some like products and gear. And I also have to say as a Californian, um, we're entering like what I think of as like non-touristy season now that it's like late September Going into the fall, the weather will be beautiful um, as long as fires stay away from us. So like people in my part of the country have lots of opportunities for camping, you know, all the way up through until the rains really start. Um, and you're probably kind of closing down your season, too. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, there are people who are more hardcore. Like I might squeeze in one more trip. Um, and some, there's something great about like, you know, Midwest fall camping. It's like the weather is nice and cool. There's usually not bugs. Um, but there are people who camp like legit winter camping. The kids and their dad have done that a few times together. Um, and they go out with like winter gear on and like, I don't wow. know if they sleep in their snowsuits. I really don't like sometimes it's quite cold. Um, I have not done a legit winter camp, but it is something like maybe, am I interested? I don't know. I've got this property to go to now. So maybe we'll see. Right. Um, yeah. I know it just enough to be curious in, in yeah. that regard, but you're right. Like it really can be an almost year round thing for a lot of people. And it's a great time of year. If you want to like start in the spring, this is a great time of year to start looking at stuff, equipment, putting it on your holiday shopping list, um, shopping clearance, um, sales and things, end of season sales. So it'll be fun. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the mom hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, our place. In fact, you, me and our team member, Katie, we're all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. 
And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, well, let's start with some of these definitions. I have to admit, I now I can say the word or the term car camping and kind of know what that means. But I think the kind of camping I envisioned my whole life was car camping, meaning yeah. like you drive your car, you park in a um, reserved or like a campsite that's yours for the night and you put up a tent. That was my, and you had a picnic table and like a little fire right. pit was there sometimes. And there was like a park ranger or some kind of like badge you got for your car. I guess that's called car camping. Yes. Yes. But I just, I mean, I've been doing that my whole life and I just learned that like two years ago. And just okay. as an aside, we have a blog post up on the momhour.com um, written by one of our contributors about taking kids car camping. And even when I read that title, it took me a second to go, wait, she doesn't mean sleeping in the car. So I just learned this like three years ago. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's like regional that people just call it car camping here. I think people just call that camping. <laughs> okay. Me too. I'm so okay. glad you said that. And I'm sure right. we'll hear from listeners. I do wonder. So my best friend from high school, Sarah's really, they have a camper. And I think people who have a camper use that term, or that's what I've heard. I'm not going to generalize the whole population, but when I've heard it used, it's to distinguish between people who are taking their RV or their camper out on the road versus when they don't, and they just take their tent in their car. But that was the first time I heard it was also a couple of years ago. And I, I, I don't know, maybe it's new and maybe it is because there are all these other types of camping. Including that's RV what, that's and, what I yeah. think is happening. So what I, and, um, around here, I have lots of friends who have campers and travel trailers and they would just call it tent camping. Like the difference to them would be tent yes. camping, not car camping. So what I think is going on is that, um, you know, this, like this outdoors lifestyle has become a huge industry. And I think it's a way for like outfitters and experts to distinguish between <laughs> camping in a tent that you put in the back of your car and camping in a tent you carried on your back for some sure. distance. You would want sure. a very different setup if you're going to yeah. be carrying it on your back. And like, also everything about it is different. Really. If you think about like, so you're camping out, essentially out of the back of your car is what it is. Right. So you can have all of your stuff like organized in bins. You can have it like really kind of spread out. You can bring a lot of stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. if you are like maybe doing some backcountry camping, um, you, you really probably aren't going to bring like, right. You're, back you're not going to bring a griddle, yeah. <laughs> you know, and those kinds of things. So, yeah. um, I find the distinctions to be sometimes a little confusing, but so yes, I think the way people use car camping and, and like what I think of as campground camping are sort mm -hmm. of interchangeable. Um, you're sleeping in a tent in some kind of campground situation where there are facilities, typically, um, someone watching you, <laughs> you know, like, like a ranger or some kind yep. of like an overseer and you paid for your spot and you parked your car there. Um, rustic campground camping and backcountry camping can become a little more confusing because like there are campgrounds that are rustic because they don't really have utilities. They only have like, say a vault toilet. Um, okay. what is and that? like a vault toilet is kind of like one of those permanent porta potties. Okay. It's like literally a vault. 
I prefer them to porta potties. They don't they don't typically like more space inside, and they often don't smell as bad. Um, in my like opinion, like an outhouse, like a public outhouse. Yeah, like an outhouse. Yep, like an outhouse, and it's like literally just a toilet seat that goes down to a hole, which is okay. I think chemically treated somehow. Um, so sometimes you'll go to a campground and there's a parking lot and you've paid to be there, and you've paid for your spot, and maybe you have to hike a little bit to get to your spot, maybe not. But the only facility is like basically an outhouse and you might or might not have any running water. You're probably not going to have electricity. So sometimes you can do rustic camping in a campground where there are also non-rustic spots. It gets very confusing. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then backcountry camping or backpack camping um, is just when you have to, you know, carry your stuff in your backpack right. for some um, for some distance. Um, mm -hmm. And the backcountry camping that I've done I think we only hiked a mile and a half or something like that. So it wasn't like a ridiculous amount. I wasn't doing like a like through camping or a through hike is when you're camping through a, a trail or you're hiking through a trail and you're camping along the way. Like the point right. isn't to go in and get back out. You're going all it's the way through. It's your pit stop for the night. Right. Yeah. I have not done a through hike. Um, I'm okay. intrigued, um, but it's the kind of thing that I would like to have someone to go with me and to have just the right stuff. And I don't think I have just the right stuff just yet. Um, did you read that? Uh, is it the Cheryl Strayed Wild? Am I thinking of the right memoir? Um, I didn't. I keep hearing about it. Yeah, I haven't read it. It's a quick read. It's a um, it's compelling. And you because she's by herself on the Pacific Crest Trail. I feel like you would like it because you've done yeah. some solo adventuring. And of course, yeah. it's like all her self-discovery and all that. Um, there's a reason it was a bestseller. And a movie, too, wasn't it? With mm -hmm. like Julia yeah. Roberts. I think it's Reese. Another thing that didn't come up in this list is like, well, we touched on RV or camper camping and you yeah. had, you had a little pop-up camper for a little while. Right. And your sister-in-law has yeah. one. And then what about glamping? And that's like big air quotes, <laughs> yes. but I would say anything where there's a structure, cause I'm yes. actually kind of intrigued by this, like where it's a little A-frame cabin or something. Yep. And like some of them, you bring your own, even your own bedding or your sleeping bag. Like it's not like a hotel. There's, it's just like a roof over your head. Do you know much about those? Oh yeah. Cause I've stayed in a few of those too. So I have a family of, well, interestingly, John and Jenna just sold their trailer, which is like the end of an era oh. because they had a camp, they had a travel trailer, a big one. Like they had two bedrooms, like they had a nice big bedroom and there was three bunks for the kids and a kitchen and a pullout, you know, sofa and all this stuff. And they had it for six or seven years. And then kind of on a whim, they just decided the kids aren't into it anymore and they're done with it. And they sold it like in a week. So <laughs> it's apparently they're very hot right now. Um, I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. But we, I've done tons of camping where I would tag along with them and then I would either, yes, I did have a pop-up camper for a very brief time. I broke it extremely quickly. Um, I wouldn't do that again. I totally would get some kind of small pull behind camper, but I would want it to be hard sided. The pop up had too oh. many mechanicals for my ability to manage them. I'm just going to put it that way. Uh, and being a single, you know, a single mom with these little kids that I was trying to get to help me open it up. There was just too many things that could go wrong and they all went wrong and um, it's gone now. Yeah. But <laughs> but it was it was fun. The You know, the few weekends we used it and we had to piece it together with two by fours and zip ties. Um, <laughs> but so when I've gone with my family that have campers and my brother Buck and his wife also have a small camper and uh, my sister Kathleen and her husband Eric have the thing that goes in the back of their um, truck. So they have a pickup truck and they put a mattress in the back and there's a tent that is made just to go on the top yes. of the truck. 
That's which really I think cool. is amazing because it gets you up off the ground. You're never going to be wet, but you don't have to have a whole toe behind thing. So mm-hmm. um, I'll, t- I'll start with those because that's a whole other thing. So like when I've I've stayed in other people's travel travel trailers, I've hung out in people's like campground area. And then at the end of the night, gone to my own tent site. Um, and mm-hmm. then I've also stayed in a glamping tent, a teepee at a KOA in northern Michigan. Um, there was a huge storm that ripped a big hole in oh. the top of the teepee that night. And I, it was, oh my goodness, it was crazy. Um, I think that was a, like an isolated experience, but it was like the kids and I huddling under like the bunk bed. Cause there was bunks that we were under oh like on God. the bottom bunk and there's just water coming in. It was awful. Um, and then the cabins and a lot of those places now have cute cabins. They're like, there's nothing, there's, there's often not a bathroom or a kitchen or even running water inside. Um, but the one I just stayed at, uh, when I did my big family trip this year, I was in there for, I don't know, five nights and it had a bed with a, you know, a plasticky weird mattress, but a mattress right, and a table and a door that locks. Like, so you feel you're out of the weather. Um, you've got your own space and you don't have to do that thing where you stoop down every time you go in, like you do a tent. So right. it's kind of like a cross between and a lot of like KOAs and those kinds of campgrounds now are getting the more deluxe camp, uh, cabins too, where there are sometimes bathrooms and kitchens inside. So you kind of get the campground experience, but you're not really camping in my opinion. But, um, and right. then the glamping tents are just like the, like the canvas, they're like big canvas tents. Uh-huh. Uh, they usually have some kind of a bed in them too. So that's great. If you don't want to buy a lot of, like, if you don't want to buy, um, cause you're not going to do it very much. Maybe you don't want to buy like the pads for the ground and sleeping bags. And you know, then you just show up with regular bedding yeah. and like stuff to live for a few days. It's kind of like staying in a hotel, but you bring your own bedding and towels. Okay. Well, this brings me to my next big question because I'm hearing you talk. And to me, one of the appeals sounds like being in nature, like being where it's kind of quiet having beautiful scenery. I love the photography. I love waking up and hearing birds, blah, 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 blah. But some of these scenarios actually sound like kind of like being in a parking lot with a lot of other people. And I would love to (laughs) hear, I know you've done both of that. Yes. And so uh, along the continuum, there's still people who do these things for fun. And I guess my question would be like, I would hope everybody that does it, does it for fun. Right. Exactly. Otherwise, there's really no point. Yes. No point in any yes. of this. Stay home, people. So what is fun about camping? And maybe you can kind of address like that continuum because you have done it where you wake up and there's no one for miles. And, you know, yeah. it's the scenery is beautiful. And it's honestly, I see the appeal of that more. But there are more uh, conveniences and amenities. And for families, it seems like a lot of people do. And I have been tent and campground camping where I'm basically in a parking lot. And then it's like, it's not even pretty here. Why are right. like, what's fun about this? And so I need to be sold a little bit. Okay. So they are very different experiences. Um, it is not my preference to stay in the kind of campground that there are campers every 10 feet. I mean, I think people who are really into RV life and like being on the go life, there's like a whole culture around that. And, um, it's great for little kids. Cause you basically show up in your house on wheels, you park it. You've got neighbors and maybe you talk to your neighbors. Maybe you don't. You can have people visit you at the campground. There's often a pool. There's often a little um, restaurant on site and things like that. So for like kind of like an inexpensive family reunion where you're it's like a little bit private, but you're you are going to hear slamming doors like you are going to hear people yelling at your kids. You are going to hear 
the incessant zipping and unzipping of other people's tents. Like that's just, <laughs> that's just part and parcel. And I think the reasons one does that kind is a little different than the reason one might do more like rustic camping or backcountry camping. So you're still getting to sit outside. You still get to have the fire and you roast the marshmallows and the hot dogs over it and you make the s'mores and everyone sits outside in their little folding chairs and talks and like, it's still fun, but like, I wouldn't want to do that for more than a few days because I start to get, you know, it's very inconvenient and you have to walk everywhere because there's, you know, you're not just going to go, well, I'm not just going to go pee right outside my tent on the ground. If there's someone in the next, you know, like in the next site over, right. I'm going to walk to the bathroom that might be a hundred yards or 200 yards, maybe further from my tent. So there's like a lot of work. And for a little while that work is kind of fun. Like that's part of the appeal. And then you aren't into like being around a lot of other people, um, depending also on the campground, you might have beautiful views. Like you might, there's some here, they're like nestled into wooded lots on state parks. The one Clara and I mm-hmm. go to every year It's quite nice. It's a state park and it's relatively busy, but the sites are nice and big and there's trees between. So it is yeah. like more private, but yeah. there are some where people are just right on top of each other. And that's, it's not my favorite. So that would be something I would do if there was like some other means to an end, like, uh, or if it was a means to some other end, like getting a bunch of people together or the other nice thing, the appeal about that is your kids can bring their bikes or their scooters and basically run wild for days on end. And they've got things for them to do. So there might be like a bouncy house or like a place for them to play, um, four square, whatever they're, I don't know what they're off doing. They're off making friends with other kids. So for super social kids, um, it can be really fun for them. I just don't think it's as fun for some adults who want more privacy. And then of course the, like you already said, the, the appeal to the other kind of camping where you're much more in the elements and maybe don't have any facilities at all. You, you might be peeing on the ground, um, is that you are waking up in a beautiful place. So it's like, we call all of these things camping, but they're so different. I almost don't even think of RV camping as camping. It's like, it's like you're staying in a hotel only you brought your own room. Yeah. I think that's helpful. And it is, it's actually helpful to hear about those family friendly amenities. I think while I have done quite a bit of state park and county park tent camping as a kid and a little bit as an adult, I don't think anywhere, the last place we went as a family had a nature center with little like either guided hikes or a thing like that. But I don't think I've ever been somewhere with a pool, a bouncy house, four square, like um, that kind of thing. So I think um, you have like, I kind of get it now. And at the mm-hmm. same time, I see the the vast difference um, between that. Yes. And you're right, like family reunions and meeting up. So I'm not definitely not knocking it, but I, I think I didn't have the full picture of <laughs> why, like why? Yeah. But why? Yeah. <laughs> well, and you have to kind of, and you have to kind of just resign yourself to whatever that new reality is. So for like days on end, you're going to be dirty. Even if you're staying in an RV, like it's really hard to hang out on a, in a campground and not wind up just filthy. Um, your feet, you know, you've got your hair is smoky. Like there's all these things. You are going to have to like haul all your toiletries to a public restroom unless you have an RV and unless you want to use that RV's bathroom. They're usually tiny. And I would rather, honestly, I mean, I had the option to use um, John and Jenna's when I stayed in it, but I would rather just walk to the nice big bathroom than cram myself into like a little airplane bathroom, essentially, is what it feels like. Um, And so anyway, there's you kind of have to just settle into a very different pace of living where everything takes forever. And, and it's like, um, there's just things you kind of can't escape 
from it. And then like you might have a personal tolerance that says two days of that and you're done. And maybe some people love doing it all the time. So um, I think yeah. there's also like a lot of in between, like a lot long, a large range of experience sure. there. Totally. Yeah. And you're going to eat weird food. Okay. Well, that is uh, a great segue <laughs> because I, regardless of like what kind of camping and how remote you are, you're not, you don't have your kitchen and your refrigerator and your coffee maker and your electric kettle. So I'm sure this could be its own side episode, but do you want to like share some highlights of what do you eat when you're camping? You personally yeah. or people in general? So if I go to a campground that has a, an electric outlet, I absolutely do bring my electric kettle and I bring my griddle and I sometimes bring an electric cooler. Like it really just depends how long I'm going to be doing it and kind of what the food plan is. Um, and that's assuming my kids are there. Like I want to have my tea every day. If I'm, if I'm camping like in a more rustic way, I have a little, um, people call them generically a jet boil, but jet boil is actually the brand. It's like a little okay. butane lighter that boils water really fast. So I'll bring okay. that with me instead if I'm going to be completely like off the grid rustic. But I bring kind of a lot of accoutrement because I don't want to eat everything over a fire for days on end. And so yeah. if I was eating on a fire every night, I'd be having like hot dogs, hot dogs, hot dogs, more <laughs> hot dogs, I guess, brats. Um, you can take those like those big metal, like they're cast iron square things with like, a, I don't even know what they're yes, called. They're I know like some kind yeah. of oven thing. And you can put food in those and those are fun. Or you can wrap up burritos in foil and put those on the fire. And those are fun, but those are kind of a lot of work if you don't have room to spread out. So if you have an RV or a camper and you've got nice, you know, nice um, little space where you can keep your food in the fridge and then you've got like a counter where you can prep, then it's like those things are a little easier. Or if you pre-prep everything and then bring it, you know, ready to go, you can do that. But I tend to go really simple. And honestly, if it's just me, I will eat peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every meal. I don't care. It's kind of, it's kind of the perfect food, really. It is the perfect food. I will have like a cooler or a bag just full of PBJs for myself and then maybe some grapes, like something easy to grab. And if it was just me, that's all I would eat. But that doesn't really work for all of my kids. So for us, it does tend to be a lot of really simple, um, like really simple food you can do over the fire. And then the griddle's nice because then you can make grilled cheese sandwiches. You can do a big mess of um, the pancakes that shake up in the, you know, the little, mm -hmm. you put them in a the little bottle and pancakes and bacon and sausage, um, eggs. Like it just opens up some more options. So I actually do kind of haul more cookware than you'd think. And some people are very creative. They do tons of planning ahead of time. And I just find that just getting packed to get out the door takes me a lot of time and work. Sure. So I don't typically do a lot of food prep before we go. So uh, the first thing I want to say is I had no idea that sometimes there's an electrical hookup at campsites. So this is, I guess, how long it's been or how limited my experience is. The one time we went when Violet was two and a half, um, our friend's pickup truck they had um, like AC power. If you turn the car on, there was an actual plug like somewhere in the bed of the pickup truck. So you could use his truck for power if it was on. Um, and we did that oh, okay. I don't know, to charge some devices or something. But no, I didn't know that you sometimes have electricity. That's crazy. And then the other yeah, thing. Yeah, it's just like a post with like a plug. So but the thing is, though, if you're going to use that for anything that then needs to sit on something like it's awkward, you have to drag picnic table over to put your kettle on or to put, you, okay. you know, like it's not easy. It's not, you don't get like a, like a counter. 
right. and like a you know an outlet. It's more it's like a post with an outlet in it. Yeah. Well, and and then the other thing I was gonna say as you were talking, and I kind of want to like go back and clarify what I was saying before, like why is this fun? I think I really do see how um, the packing and the prep and the moving your whole family away from the dynamics at home, especially if you've got kids who are really into their screens or who get really bored easily at home. Um, I really can see the appeal, even at my kid's age, of like almost intentionally uprooting your family dynamics and plopping Mm -hmm. them down somewhere else. And the food was making me think of that because like I would love the idea of making breakfast burritos ahead of time and like waking up and having that. And my kids would love that. And I love I love picnics, actually. I really love to pack a really good picnic. So I think I might actually enjoy the sort of um, I don't know what you would call it, like the the nerdy food prep part of like, what can we yeah. bring and how can we how can we wrap it and package it so that it tastes so good later? So I think I would like that part. Well, one thing that's really simple to do, and I'll just throw this out there, and this is something I actually have done because it's so easy, is just um, wrap and foil, just take a like a tortilla and put black beans and some salsa in it and wrap it up. And literally you put that on this, you put, you can put that right on the, um, not in the fire, but like on one of those like grill yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and it cooks up really fast and then it's special like that. The kids might not even like that at home or they might think they don't like that at home. Cause it's, you know, it's kind of like the punchy pies. Have you heard of those? That's the uh-huh. thing I was trying to think of the name of. Those are the um, cast iron. I think they're called punchy pie ovens or something. And you stick Wonder Bread and then some kind of topping like jelly or peanut butter and jelly or Nutella. something. What, um, or you can do, I think traditionally it's like pie filling, like cherry pie okay. filling. And then another piece of bread on top and you stick that over the fire and it turns it into like this like weird pie. I'm I don't think if I served like- that... <laughs> Like the Uncrustables, like the it's, little. Yes, it's uh, like an it's like a crispy, hot Uncrustable. And I don't know that if I served that to my kids at home, I think they would think I was nuts. Like I think they would look at me like, <laughs> "Are you kidding me?" But at, when you're camping, like disbelief is suspended a little bit, and people will do things they wouldn't necessarily do at home, and they'll think it's fun. Yes. So and you're yeah. and you're making <laughs> memories. So I take yeah. everything back about. Like, why would we, why would we go sleep on the ground in a parking lot? I do kind of get it. So I don't know. We're halfway through this episode and I feel like I'm coming around. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. 
We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. All right, Megan, I'm coming around to the idea of camping, especially with my family. Um, But I think I'm going to ask you some questions that I think a lot of inexperienced campers have, or maybe not inexperienced, but maybe people like me who've had a little bit of experience and maybe it like it wasn't quite that fun. Like, that's kind of what I feel like. Like, yeah, it was it was fine. But do I want to do that again? So um, this is where you get to like kind of Tell us what you've learned about maybe the less pleasant parts of camping. So let's start with sleeping on the ground. Yeah. Um, it's honestly not my favorite thing. I, I don't know. If, I'm, I don't feel like I'm one of those like princess and the pea types, but like I do feel like if there's a root or a stone or a pebble anywhere, it will somehow <laughs> wind up wedged under my hip or like right in a spot on my shoulder where I can't sleep. And I'm, I, I move a lot at night. Like I sleep, I'm a side sleeper but I don't like to sleep on one side all night. Cause I end up, you know, your hip starts to hurt. And so I switch a lot. And I think when I'm camping, I switch a lot, a lot. So depending on whether you are camping out of the back of your car or backpacking, whether you have room to bring a lot of stuff or not, there's ways to get around that. Um, if you're backpack camping, your options are a little bit limited because of course you can't like carry a big heavy air mattress or something with you. Right. But you can get these little inflatable pads that go under your, um, they, they fit so specifically under your mat or under your sleeping bag that I don't love them because then I feel like I have to stay in one position or I'll literally roll off. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're like shaped like a mummy. Like, and like, if you move too much, you could roll right off, but they do make it better. Um, people have those foam ones that like roll up or like the eggshell kind that, that are like, um accordion folds mm-hmm. those depending on how soft they are can be great and sometimes it's just like adding another hard layer and I don't understand at all why you would even bother like I've slept on some foam pads that are worse than the ground in my opinion mm-hmm. um so it's like no it's not the best I will say I can do it for a night or two and it's fine um after that I wouldn't want to much longer and also if you do a lot of site prep like if you get the site nice and smooth Um, if it's a softer site, because like maybe there's a sandy ground or something like Mm -hmm. that. Like I've slept on the sand before. It was great. I had no problems this year. I did. Oh, one other thing. I know people who do a lot of, um, tent camping out of their car. So like campground camping will swear by air mattresses. I am the biggest air mattress skeptic because I feel (laughs) like 
everybody always says their air mattress is different from everybody else's. And like, no, I, no, I mean it. This one's really comfortable and it really doesn't lose air. And then I'll sleep on that air mattress and be like, I, I don't, does my body have tiny pins in it that is poking holes in all air mattresses? Yeah. Because I have never found an air mattress that I could stand. I would rather sleep on the floor most of the time. I'm going to, so- I'm going <laughs> to co-sign that because okay. um, we, the one time this, this one camping trip that I keep referring to, we did bring our air mattress and we used our friend's truck power outlet to blow it up. Um, and that air mattress was fine, but I agree with you in general, like sleeping at someone's house or not even just camping. I totally agree about air mattresses. And if you are sleeping with a partner with another adult or a large child right. in the air mattress, I feel like it's game over. Even the best air mattress can't distribute weight right. evenly. So and if, if one of you moves the whole, like yeah. you fly off the other side or yeah. Yeah. Yes. No go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a um, no go. Allegra's school does a lot of outdoor backpacking and camping. So we have started to acquire some gear ourselves, although I, I have not personally tested it out. And she does have a little roll up mat for under her sleeping bag that inf- I don't know, it like inflates by itself. Is that one of the yeah. ones, you know, like yeah, you they, they do have and, those. Then, yep. and then it's not the shape, like it's not the mummy shape. It is a rectangle shape, but, but small, it's just a big enough, like this, the, you know, the imprint of your sleeping bag. And she said the first time she used it, she didn't know how to inflate it. So she like unrolled it and laid it out, but it never did anything. And then, then she learned. So, well, and I think that, and I know we're going to dig into more generically talking about gear a little bit later. And I actually have a blog post that I can share for the show notes that I wrote on my site about, you know, choosing gear. I think that it gets very confusing because like, okay, for example, the mat that I mentioned, it's inflatable. I believe it, it, it self-inflates. If not, you could do it with like a couple puffs of air from your lungs. It's not, it doesn't take long, but, um, it's meant for backpack camping. So you, in, in that scenario, you are looking for something that is as small as possible and as light as possible. Right. Well, if you're never going to carry your stuff more than half a mile, you probably don't. I think in that case, I would choose comfort over lightweightness or right. like size. So it really depends on your needs. And I think sometimes it's like if you go into an REI or something and you're just walking around looking at stuff, you might think, well, this one's more expensive, so it's better. Or this one is, you know, looks like it's made for everything. So it's better, but it's only better if you're going to use it that way, which leads me actually to my most recent bedding purchase. And that was, I bought a foldable mattress. Like it's a legitimate foam mattress. It's only three inches. So it's not like, it's not like a bed mattress. I wouldn't want to sleep on this every night, but I used it the last time I, um, we camped in the UP on our property and it made a lot of difference. I could have slept on it for quite some time. And it was like $115 or something like that. I mean, it's big. It's like unwieldy. So mm-hmm. when I put it in, I have a Subaru Forester and it would take up, I would lay that down first um, in the hatchback and it would take like the, the width of the hatchback. Right. But right. It, it, try, it folds, accordion folds in thirds um, and it's okay. a full size. So, wow. so that's another option. So if you're only ever going to be carrying something, you know, 20 feet, you have options that you might not have if you're carrying things for miles. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Well, we have to talk about critters, bugs, but I guess it's not just bugs. What about like, well, all creatures, great and small, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Well, I don't love bugs either. And Michigan is full of skeeters. Um, I find that if you have very, strict rules about not leaving your tent unzipped. Like I will deal with, 
I will deal with Skeeters as long as they don't follow me into bed at night, you know, like around the campfire. I don't mind. And usually the campfire kind of discourages them and um, you can use bug spray and things like that. But at night, I do not want to lay there hearing the whine of mm-hmm. a mosquito in my ear. So um, I find that tents that have a little vestibule are helpful for this. So like where there's like a, almost a, like an entryway. So uh-huh. you stop in the entryway, get your shoes off, whatever you got to take off, then unzip, then jump in, then z- rezip. No time with the zip open. Mm-hmm. Um, the other critters, I have had the experience when I went with Jenna and we took the boys backpack camping and we slept in the wood or we slept in the dunes, sand dunes, but we hung our bag of food in the woods and animals still got to it. Like the raccoons are very mm-hmm. smart and they're very cunning. Um, so that can become kind of a hassle if you're doing anything where you need to pack in food for several days, but, but you're really backwoods um, and don't have access to like a lockbox. Some, if you are like doing rustic camping at a backcountry place that has sites that you reserve ahead of time, often they will have a box, like a metal box you can put your yes. stuff in. Yeah, um, for not Californians, we have lots of bears in mountain lions. So the, the right. like- that's come standard with any yeah. campsite. I we think. don't have that everywhere around here. Um, even the places where there are bears, there's not always a place like given, like created for you <laughs> to put your stuff. So there's, I'm not going to go too much into that. There's lots of rules and things that you, you know, like guidelines to follow. I've never had a problem staying in a crowded campground. I think that the animals just, they kind of probably go for the easy pickings, like the trash people leave out or they, stay away because there's too many people. I haven't personally ever had a problem where I'm like in a, like a busy campground and an animal tries to get in my tent or something. Like I've never had that happen. That's just to say it couldn't happen. It just hasn't happened to me. Um, but I will say I was a little freaked out when we stayed up North and I was thinking, okay, it's not the time of year. Bears are super hungry. And I wasn't in an area that's super, I mean, there's not like the UP of the upper peninsula of Michigan does have lots of black bears. Um, which aren't as bold as grizzlies. Like there's like, you know, there's lots of different distinctions between different kinds of bears and the time of year um, and the area that we were in. However, I did lay in bed at night and think a couple times and think, what if, like, <laughs> what if there was a bear that just stumbled across the tent and like can smell my toothpaste? Like that's like that. That's the stuff that is really hard to think about. They can, they can smell everything. They smell your perfume, your toothpaste. If you have shampoo that smells like fruit. They might think you sound delicious. Um, and then another little funny story. There was a garter snake that kept disappearing under our tent. And Eric, <laughs> Eric was like, how do you feel about snakes? And I said, you know, honestly, I'm kind of indifferent. Like, I don't want one in bed with me, but I don't really. I was like, why are you asking? He's like, well, there's just one that's just been following me around. And it like, it just keeps popping out. And it was one of those little <laughs> black ones with the green, like the green stripe and the I think like a greenish yellow belly, maybe. So we looked it up and it was a garter snake and he just hung around us like the whole night. And so the last thing we saw was he disappeared under the tent. We went and checked. There was no way for a snake to get into the tent. Like it, unless we had left it unzipped, like there was no holes or rents yeah. or anything like that. But in the middle of the night, I had this weird moment where I woke up and thought, I just thought I felt something or like something uh. freaked me out. And I put my hand in my hair and you know, it was a small tent. Eric's hand was like, kind of under my hair and I grabbed his finger and tried to throw his finger across the room, like across the tent (laughs) because I was convinced it was a snake in my hair. And just for a moment, then I woke up and I'm like, that was stupid. But I think I was just on high alert. So I don't know. I'm not, I am not a, 
I am not an expert in the area of critter safety. I will say it can be an annoyance. And I've, and I think it's one of those things. It's a really good idea to be on alert about and just Mm -hmm. to know your surroundings and know what you're supposed to do, especially if you're like out in a really rustic area. Um, But it hasn't been something that I've, I've just decided not to let it stop me. So, and I would think it would be the kind of thing where you would acquire these little stories and anecdotes like you're telling. And with, with practice and experience, you know a little bit more what to expect and how to prepare and how to respond. And um, that's what's so cool about people who really are knowledgeable about the wilderness is they can both be better prepared and better responsive if something happens, but they also know what's a true danger and what's not. Whereas those of us, like those of us who are city mice are like, oh my gosh, bugs. You know, there's no like discriminating between like, well, that little snake's not going to harm us, but this one might. So I have a lot of respect for people who have done the work of acquiring that knowledge. And um, I was going to say with kids too, that I would think just basic first aid kit, like it's not just like the scary stuff like bears or snakes in your tent, but you know, somebody might get stung by a bee or like I've had kids with mosquito bites where the mosquito bite itself like swells up way bigger than normal. So your Benadryl and your first aid kit and your, you know, pediatricians, nurses line, if you're concerned. So um, I'm sure all that is par for the course. And, and research your specific region because, um, one, one example was when I went on my trip that I went alone, um, up North, I didn't, I didn't backpack camp, but I hiked a lot alone. And then at night, a couple of times I slept in like more, more rustic removed campsite. So like I was at a campground, but I might be a hundred feet from the next camper and I mm-hmm. wasn't like talking to them. So it wasn't the kind that we're all on top of each other that does, I think, provide a little insulation from, um, critter. So mm-hmm. I was, I really wanted to know what I was doing. And I realized that all of the bear advice I had read on the internet up until then was about the wrong kind of bear. So like the way that you would deal with a site, like a grizzly sighting and the way you would deal with a black bear sighting is completely different. Like their motivators are different. Their behavior is different. So if you're reading advice and it's kind of generic and it's based on like California or Wyoming and you live in Vermont or Michigan, you might not be reading the right stuff. So I think it's just, it's wise to be really prepared and knowledgeable, but like have the right knowledge. That's not going to scare you too much or make you too confident. Um, and like your local, um, yes. rangers and things, people like that are the best resource. Cause they really that's know that's say. their job. Yes. 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 Awesome. Um, well let's talk about hygiene and in general, and you've been camping with a significant other, which, you know, now you're like, you know, want to be presentable. I don't know. Maybe you don't want to be presentable, but talk about hygiene, (laughs) keeping clean, like the feeling of being dirty. And then even stuff like when nature calls. Oh yes. Nature. It does like to call. So hygiene is something where if I'm going to be camping for like doing rustic camping, I don't really try that hard to stay clean. It, it almost is like you get to a part, a point where it's just better to just kind of marinate and go with it. Um, I have bought these huge, they're baby, they're basically like baby wipes, but they're like made for adults and they're made for they're you know, a little, um, what's the word of textured. So they kind of can mm-hmm. get dirt. You know, I don't like to go to bed with dirty feet and I don't, you know, I, I know that when you're camping, your feet aren't ever going to be totally clean and that's fine, but I don't want to go to bed with like sand between my, like crusted between my toes and 
soot from around the campsite and stuff like that all over my face. So I do a wipe down and I change underwear at least once every 24 hours or so. Mm -hmm. But there are times I will wear the same clothes. Like if it's a little chillier and I never get hot and never want to change out of, you know, maybe the leggings or sweats I wear to bed the night before, I might stay in those the whole day and then throw a hoodie on the next night and just stay in that. I might sleep in that hoodie. Um, Mm -hmm. So unless I truly stunk, I'm not too worried about it. Sleeping at a campground is a little different because then you do have a shower. And so you have the opportunity to go get cleaned up, but it's a little bit misleading because you're going to go like take that shower and you're going to walk out feeling clean. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're going to be kind of dusty again. So I just don't really overthink it. I just try to make sure like I'm changing my socks and underwear regularly enough that I'm not going to get, I don't know, a trench foot or yeah. <laughs> like a UTI or something or yeast infection. And then um, just wipe down and I yeah. just kind of let it go. And I will do things like if I know that I'm going to be camping in a place that doesn't have any shower facilities for several days and it's like hot and sticky weather. I'll try to figure out a way to go find a shower somewhere like truck stops. Mm-hmm. You can take showers. You can go to sometimes you can go to other campgrounds and like just pay to use their shower. OK. Um, and pl- there are lots of places um, where you can find facilities. People do it. There's something called um, oh my gosh, I think it's called boondocking. OK, uh, I'll have to look that up. But it's when people purposefully travel, say, in like their travel trailer, their RV, but they don't go to a campground and hook up anywhere. They just go to places they can park. And then sometimes you can go like find, it's just like you park, you basically park and sleep Mm -hmm. in whatever you're in, but then those people will find resources for getting clean. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Um, you asked about nature calling. So I, I am a big fan of just going in the woods. I don't mind using the bathroom in uh, a squat in a woods like that doesn't bother me at all I do like to use toilet paper even when it's just pee um which you can do you just have to pack it out or you can buy the disposable stuff if it's your own property you can buy the um biodegradable stuff and bury it but like there's rules around that too you can't do that if you don't have enough space like if you're not spread out enough or if there's too many people you can't do that and if you're staying on it you know campgrounds often are pack in pack out so anything you use you have to take out with you when you go there's no trash so you want to be prepared for that. Um, it's kind of funny. I, so when it comes to pooping, when I am traveling in any way, my habits completely change. And I'm, you know, I'm a pretty regular person in real life, but it's like once my routines change, my digestion completely changes. And I am very able most of the time to like hold it until I can find a bathroom somewhere. Um, because for days, Sometimes like a day. I mean, I wouldn't probably like I wouldn't if I have to go in the morning, I can't wait like a day or two to go. But I could say, okay, you know, it's morning. uh, You know, I'd usually be going right now, but I think I can put it off till we go to town. And so I've done that. Like I've had times where I'm just like, eh, it's not really worth it. Yeah, I can. I can poop in the woods. I've done it. Like I have a little (laughs) shovel, like a little fold up shovel and you like literally shovel a hole and there you go. But I've also um, I've also just sometimes been like, you know what? We're 15 minutes from a Walmart and that Walmart's going to get my poop today. So that's (laughs) like what, and they're also going to get my business. I'm going to go in and, you know, buy a bottle of water or something. So that's the way I handle that. I know that's not for everybody. And it was kind of funny on this latest trip. Um, Eric is just much more, I don't know if he was concerned for my comfort or his own or what, but he got, he bought this kind of complicated rig and it was like a little ground cover with a with like a tent 
like a, a tent you could stand up in, but like a, a narrow tent and then a toilet seat um, that my brother said is the same kind of thing he used to carry around in the army. So they must have carried these like on long road marches. Okay. It was just a seat, like maybe 12 inches off the ground, like on a little stand. And then these biodegradable bags that you like hook onto the seat and then you're yeah. supposed to do your business in them. <laughs> I saw it, a picture of this. So, so yes. I, I, I can picture and listeners, we, we can link or show a picture, but yeah. Like the tent was like tall and skinny, like a, sh- like a pop-up shower stall or yes. something. And I think that's what actually what it's supposed to be. It was supposed to be a shower stall. So we have all this stuff to make it a shower too, but it, it was being used also as a place to have, you know, a private place to sit and go. I loved the toilet seat idea, but at the end of the day, the whole, t- I only used it once. It, it freaked me out so bad. I found it really gross. I did not like the idea of going in a bag at all then you got to deal with the bag and honestly oh and then it rained and it got kind of damp inside and like I was standing in a puddle which creeped me out and so I just eschewed it and just went in the woods but Eric used it he liked it he liked the idea of like being covered and like more private and comfortable and I you know I'm not saying I would never use it I'm just saying it felt like in the end for me it wasn't worth the effort yeah I can see that um well that's Kind of a good um, segue to our last little topic here, which is buying gear. And throughout this whole conversation, you've mentioned several items that you've purchased or things yeah. that maybe you don't see the value of. And we'll link everything up and you have your blog post on MeganFrancis.com. But do you have any remaining thoughts on gear, any products that really have been standouts or even maybe just general tips for when you're in this gear acquisition phase? Yeah, I there is so much gear. I mean, there's so much. If you go into your like little local down small town outfitter, like I have here, you will be blown away by how much different stuff they can fit into a small, (laughs) small square footage. And then if you go into someplace like REI, it's just mind blowing. Um, I think it's a great idea to start small with the things that are really important. So for me, comfort is really key. Like I was willing to spend kind of a lot on hiking boots um, and a good backpack, because to me, those are things that like really are going to make me comfortable. Whereas mm-hmm. some of these other things that like, you know, are fun to use, but like, I'll, I don't need them. I might go cheaper on, for example, I didn't buy the brand name butane stove. I went with like an off brand name because it did the job. Maybe it's not as fancy as the jet boil, but it was cheaper. And I thought all I needed to do is make fire and make my water hot. I don't really need it to have a lot of other features. Now, someone else might say, no, I want to shave five ounces off of my packing off my backpack. And so it's worth it to me to go with this different brand or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is. Um, there are just so many things you can buy. And I guess I, I will link up that, um, guide I put together, but, but like, you know, if you're only going to be sleeping on the ground in the summer, or if, sorry, if you're only going to be sleeping in a campground out of the back of your car in the summer, you probably don't need like a $300 sleeping bag because all you need is something that, that covers you up and makes you, you know, you're probably gonna be hot anyway. So it's like Mm -hmm. considering your needs is really important. Same thing with tents. I mean, there's very fancy tents that can be very, very expensive. Um, but your miles really are going to vary on how you are going to use those. So I, I don't know that that's even that helpful. I think when you if you look at the blog post and see what I bought and why it makes, it might make more sense. Um, Mm -hmm. there are places that have like gear rental programs. Um, Oh, there's a website that does this. 
I wish I could remember the name of it. My sister told me about it. I'll find that too, because you can just rent stuff. So let's say you're going to do like one camping trip ever, and you're just going to try it out and see if you like it. Maybe rent the stuff, um, borrow from a friend. Like maybe there's something you can borrow. That's a, a big ticket item that you can borrow and then just, you know, um, try it out and see if you like it. And maybe then in the future, you might want to buy your own, uh, Fire starter is a good thing to have. And those are the kind, that's the kind of thing that like, these are, they're little green sticks or you can also use um, dryer lint to start fires. Um, It just helps. It's like a dry thing to help kind of get the fire going. Things like that sometimes that are cheap are just like so surprisingly useful and great. And then sometimes you spend, you know, a lot of money on a really fancy sleeping bag and you're like, why did I do that? So, right. The yeah. relative cost or fanciness doesn't necessarily mean the value is going to be there. Any tips about storing and putting away? I know we have to wrap up, but it, as I was listening to you and having um, helped Allegra pack and come home from some of her outdoor adventures, I'm realizing that this, the putting away and the storing of the stuff makes it way less awful to get it out again next time. And you're yes. at the end of your camping season. So do you have any like... Yeah. Any thoughts on that? So I have a, um, a weird shaped, uh, closet that is under a stair, like, like Harry Potter's bedroom, you know, like a little closet on the stairs. So it's like that, that slanty shape. And I use that for all my camping stuff. And I have open bins in there. They do have lids, but I don't put the lids on and they're like a variety of depths and shapes. And so I've got them. I kind of did them like a puzzle. So they'd fit in, like there's four of them that fit like a little, like a little, uh, collage say. And then hooks. So the hooks are where all my backpacks and like day packs and th- like things with hangers on them go. And then I arrange things in the, um, in the different bins. And I try to make it so that there's just one layer and that like goes with like, or size and shape goes with size and shape. So I have a deeper one where all the roll up things go like, so uh-huh. sleeping bags, um, tents, uh, the pads that roll up, those are all stacked up in there. So I can look down and see them all at once. Then I've got one that's got my kitchen stuff in it. That one I kind of have to dig through a little bit because it's just got more stuff in it. But it's kind of like that. And my second rule is the minute I get home, stuff gets put away. I do yeah. not wait. Do not yeah. tarry. Um, you will regret if you wait three days and then decide to start bringing stuff in from the car. And that's when stuff starts to get like left in the car. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or like. Well, uh, and yeah. something that I can add um, just on the managing the kids stuff. Um, is that we decided to store everything, including travel toiletries, um, anything that wasn't going to like, I guess, get too hot or cold in the garage, anything that was like shelf stable after it was brought in, washed or laundered if it needed to be, or like her mess kit, her dishes washed, put it all back. Even if it's stuff that I thought she might wear, like she has a couple like lightweight fleece um, pullovers or like Mm -hmm. thick socks, things that like they're technically clothing that she could keep in her clothes in her room. But I, I was like 99% of the time, she's only going to use this when camping. So we decided to store everything like that together. And if you have little kids, I could see that working with things like sun hats, um, warm socks, or like campground flip-flops or Crocs or something where like you don't even yeah. let them re-infiltrate the rest of the house if they're most of the time used for your adventures. I, you know, it's like ski stuff too. It's like then next time you get it out, it's not going to fit anybody. So that's a that's a different problem. But my, what I don't like is having to go around the whole house looking for, you know, the one thing that she hasn't used since last time she went camping. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's why I personally keep my lid, keep the lids open. I'll use the lids. 
because I take those bins sometimes when I camp and then I'll bring the mm-hmm. lids because it's nice to have something with a lid that you can leave out outside your tent in case it rains. Yeah. But um, I never put the lids on when they're in the house because to me, that's an extra step of like having to open it to see if yeah. stuff's in there yeah. or having to open it to put stuff away. I would just rather not. Yeah. Well, this was really fun and really helpful. I, um, I do have a goal to go camping with my little crew, so I will keep you posted on that. Maybe even this fall as the weather cools down and the tourists go home and hopefully if our fire situation stays safe this fall, maybe even soon. So thank you for all of the wonderful tips. I love that. And I want to get pictures of your adventure. Yeah, exactly. Well, listeners, we have another House Rules episode coming up on Tuesday. Man, these come up fast, but we're doing them once a month, um, and they have become a really pretty popular series in the last few months. So we are going to be doing House Rules all about kid hygiene, keeping your kids clean, uh, making those baths and showers mandatory on a certain frequency, how to you know stay ahead of the hair brushing and the hand washing. So uh, you all provided some amazing House Rules, and these episodes are our chance to sit back and let your genius ideas shine. So we will be doing that coming up on Tuesday. And Megan, this was fun. We'll talk to everybody soon. Talk soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of the Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.